Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sachs's Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher, and I'm an associate professor at Clemson University. I'm also your host for this program. So this summer and fall, James Madison University adopted a new hiring model. If you're interested in the specifics of the model and how it was designed and implemented, please listen to part one of this two-part episode. Today, we're going to be discussing the new hiring practice and process with some of the members of the first cohort who went through the process and started at JMU in new positions this academic year. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Hello. Hello, hello. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for being here. All right. Um, If we could, would you mind taking a moment and introducing yourselves? If you can share your name, a little bit about who you are as a person outside of work, we sometimes forget that, you know, and we jump right to what's your job, where do you work, and, you know, what do you do, but what are some of your hobbies, what are things that you're reading, watching, listening to, whatever that you might like to share with the group, and Derek, if you don't mind, would you get us started today? Yeah, for sure. Um, So hello, my name is Derek Chen. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I'm the diversity and inclusion coordinator for the University Career Center at JMU. Um, And so outside of work, I'm 100% a homebody kind of person, Um, strive for a peaceful life like that, (laughs) Um, always have been, always will. Um, And so really when time allows, I love anything related to arts and crafts. Um, But besides that, huge fan of video games, reality TV competitions, um, currently doing a lot of reruns reruns of The Amazing Race, (laughs) Um, and just love cooking and pop music. And so I feel like that encompasses a lot of who I am. Great. Thanks so much. Hadgu, how about you? All right. Uh, yeah, my name is Hadgu Hadgu. Uh, first and last name are the same. Um, and uh, I use he, him, his pronouns. Um, and uh, outside of work, um, I think my, you know, my my hobby is uh, I like to listen to records. I like to listen to vinyl. I used to be a DJ when I was a, when I was a college student, even beyond at my local college radio station. Um, and, um, and I, I listen to older stuff. Um, so like the last thing I listened to last night was, um, America Eats Its Young by, uh, Funkadelic, um, which is an early seventies album of theirs. Um, and, um, uh, I, I like watching TV shows as well. Uh, my, uh, last thing I watched was Reservation Dogs and, um, yeah, that had a real, big impact on me um really impressed by that and uh when i get a chance i like to cook um i'm not that great but i'm learning i'm improving and i have a good time doing that that kind of thing so wonderful matthew how about you hi michelle thanks for having us uh i'm matthew huntsberger i use he him his pronouns um i am a coordinator in the dean of students office and um Outside of work, I, well, two things I'll mention are gardening and music making. Um, I I have a townhouse and I've been gradually expanding all of the plants and things that I have around the house. So I'm enjoying uh, adding new things to the landscape there. And um, I was a music major in undergrad um, and I still look, 
looking for ways to to use my um, interest in singing, especially and some piano and violin. Uh, I actually have a gig this evening um, about 30 miles north of here with a high school orchestra. So I'll be singing some Handel and some Michael Buble. So try to mix it up a little bit. They always perform those two at the same places, don't they? It's a pretty common thing. Right, right. <laughs> well, that's great. Quinn, how about you? Yeah, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Quinn. I use she, her pronouns. I serve as the Cultural and Affinity Spaces Coordinator within the Center for Multicultural Student Services at James Madison University. Um, outside of this role, I do also have a fellowship uh, with the Community Renewal Society in Chicago, uh, my hometown where I focus on um, LGBTQIA issues uh, and helping churches uh, particularly to become more queer affirming. Um, I also have um, or hold space on a show with Sybil Wilkes, who used to work for the Time Jordan Morning Show, and we also talk about political and like civic engagement opportunities. Um, I'm also a poet, um, so I do perform um, every now and then, but I'm trying to um, work on less stage opportunities, but more page opportunities. Um, I do have two books in the poetry album um, and hopefully going to write another. Um, but I'm a Scorpio, so uh, I actually don't like cooking. I do like eating. Um, and right now I really, really like brownie batter, but I don't like brownies. So um, that's the thing. And I really enjoy the Christmas time because I like cheesy Lifetime Ion movies. And so I'm just really, really excited to just like sit and watch that and enjoy some hot cocoa. Wonderful. Thank you. And Mary, would you tell us a little bit about you? Hello, all. So my name is Mary Wright. I share pronouns. Um, so kind of like Derek, I'm a little bit of a homebody. So I love like reading, knitting, cooking. Um, but I also really enjoy uh, traveling and exploring new places. So it's been really fun experiencing Harrisonburg for the first time. Um, I've been around to Virginia a lot, but not this area as much. Um, and yeah, I love to watch documentaries. So recently I just finished uh, Gather on Netflix, which is about um, indigenous food sovereignty and sovereignty in other ways. And it was really good and well-produced. Awesome. Well, thank you all very much. Um, if you want to talk a little bit about kind of your journey into your roles and then also you know, we talk all the time about how student affairs is such a small area and everyone knows everyone. If you would each highlight one or a few people, I used to just say one and everybody said, I can't do just one. So you're the bosses once you start talking, however many, but some people who've been um, instrumental to you in different ways as you've sort of found your way into your roles and and through your student affairs experiences um and this time uh Hadgu, if you don't mind getting us started and just kind of telling us a bit about your journey and important people along the way uh sure sure and um and just to clarify um i'm a career advisor at the university career center and uh I'm liaison to the College of Business at James Madison University. Um, uh, so I meet with folks um, uh, in their classrooms and, and you know, I'm in that space a lot as well. Um, so uh, I used to teach English as a second language. I did that for about 10 years. Um, and um, 
I felt I was at a crossroads. Um, uh, you know, our uh, school was, um, you know, was, was not going to be around um, forever. And so, um, you know, I, I I spent my time working with with students that were college age, mostly international students. Um, and I wanted to be able to to continue working with college age students or, you know, um, you know, whether traditional or non-traditional um, and, um, you know, so adult education, adult learners and um, a professor that I know was a good friend of mine, um, John Miller. He told me about student affairs. Have you considered um, student affairs and, and here's what it's like? And um, it sounded interesting. And, you know, there were transferable skills and, and I still have an opportunity to you know, to, to serve, um, uh, college students. So I thought that was great. And, um, so I went back to school, um, and, uh, I went to Monmouth university for my graduate education and, uh, professor, uh, there, uh, Dr. Vernon Smith, um, uh, definitely had a, had an impact on me in variety of ways, um, gave me opportunities, to be a mentor in a mentor program that he started um, and also gave me a lot of great advice about um, about student affairs and about reaching students and how to be effective as an advisor. Um, So uh, so I I definitely tried to remember things that uh, that that he advised um, as I do my work. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Matthew, what about your experience? Yeah, for me, uh, student affairs has been kind of a happy landing uh, in in that I kind of fell into student affairs. It's not something I ever sought out. I attended a small private Christian liberal arts college. And after that, um, as I mentioned, I was a music major uh, and I didn't know what I was going to do, but just kind of things opened up for me. And at a small private liberal arts college, uh, you never have just one role. You have a bunch of different roles. And so I uh, for about 17 years, explored uh, a lot of different uh, types of roles. And uh, when I ended up at JMU uh, and found out about the College Student Personnel Administration Master's Program, uh, I started uh, studying in that program. And I actually uh, am still not quite done with it. I've been doing that part-time in, in addition to my full-time work, and I plan to graduate in May. Um, so I just kind of, like I said, just kind of landed here. Um Looking back, I think about some people that were sort of instrumental, and there were two people uh, that come to mind. And um, this was a long time ago, right? Uh, when I was in when I was in college, um, but the first one, both of them are, are sort of mental health related. And the first one was actually the vice president for uh, for student life at that time, who uh, I lived in a house with thirteen people and. Uh, early on in that experience, um, uh, one of the members, of, one of the people living in that house, one of the students living in that house uh, began to have some significant mental health challenges. And so uh, we worked with directly with the, the VP and she was just very, very helpful and kind throughout that whole process and helped us kind of figure out um, what to do to get this person some help. And then I experienced my own mental health crisis a few like, few years later in the middle of uh, student teaching, and I ended up dropping out of student teaching. But um, at that time, it was uh, the the campus pastor who I met with. Uh, and the thing that I always remember is that he met with me at about 
I want to say it was about 1030 on a Saturday night in his office um, to get me some help. And that impressed me. Um, this was someone I knew um, and had worked with a little before, but um, just his attention to me and and my needs in that moment was really meant a lot to me and um, kind of helped me, me through my own situation. Wonderful. Mary, what about you? Yeah, so I think like many of us, I took kind of a circuitous path into higher education. So I had a very active undergrad experience. I went to Eastern Michigan University, um, which is Michigan is where I grew up. And I spent a lot of time doing orientation and um, fraternity and sorority life and things like that. I was very, very involved on campus. So when I left Eastern and I graduated my degree in psychology, I ended up doing marketing for a restaurant that I um, had worked at all throughout undergrad. And I was traveling the U.S. and it was really fun, but it was also like something was missing. Like I wasn't feeling fulfilled. And I had a lot of conversations with um, my best friend, Allie Cancilla, who ended up, she did her higher ed degree two years before me. We graduated at the same time. And she really was like, you know, you really sound like somebody who might do well in higher education based on what you're saying. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, but I ended up applying to several programs and I went to Grand Valley State University where I was the graduate assistant for programming during COVID, which kind of wasn't, wasn't the best and it was really hard. And I, um, through that time, had a really hard time thinking like, well, maybe is this right for me? Do I want to do programming? But um, my coordinator, Katie Garrett, who um, came in during my last semester of grad school, really kind of sparked my passion again for programming and um, really reignited why I was here and why I wanted to do programming on a college campus. Um, and that is how I ended up being the university program board coordinator here at JMU. Um, there's definitely been way more people that I could go on and on about forever, but um, those two people were really, really instrumental for me ending up here where I am now. Great. Quinn, how about your experience? Yeah, so I never knew the student affairs even existed when I was an undergrad, um, and it wasn't something that anybody at my um, undergraduate institution even um, uplifted that that would be a career for me. Originally, I planned on being the next Oprah, and so I was getting my bachelor's degree in journalism, and I had my own radio show and like everything else like that, but I was heavily involved as a student leader. I was an RA. I was president of our Black Student Association. I was involved in Greek life and SGA and everything else like that. Um, but by the time I graduated, I was still doing communications work, um, but I felt that there needed to be something more, uh, or at least like a resource for Black college students who attend historically white institutions. And so that's when I created my LLC, the Underrep, which was essentially like this nationwide map and you click on different states and it could list aggregated data um, based off of like, um, if they have places where you can get your hair done, if they have places or student organizations um, that identify, you know, with Black folks, because Nobody told me at my alma mater that they didn't celebrate Black History Month. That wasn't something that was a part of the admissions tour, you know. Um, and so when I started that, that's how I really got familiar with the term student affairs. And I had a mentor because you said one person. I just instantly thought of uh, my soror, Jessica Newman, who was the first person to tell me, like, Quinn, you should go into student affairs. And I was like, OK, how do I do that? 
And everybody kept talking about getting a master's, getting a master's. And I was like, I don't like school. I'm not going to go get another degree. This is a scam. I am going to apply anyway and see what I can get. And I got a job um, at a community college. Well, it's an online accredited college, too, uh, called Rasmussen College in Chicago um, as an academic advisor. And so that was my first experience into student affairs. But I always knew, always at the heart of it, like my hard work was working in a multicultural center. I'm doing programming and helping um, underrepresented populations because my heart is within social justice and like equity. Um, so I knew that's where I wanted to go. But when I applied for positions, everybody kept talking about a master's. So eventually I conceded and went to grad school and got the master's. And I'm grateful that I did because I was also a part of cohort there. Um, and when I was doing my job search, I saw lots of job opportunities again for like residence life, being a student, you know, everything else. And I thought about, you know, applying to those universities that I did want to work for just in a different, you know, office, but I just couldn't, I just couldn't concede on that. Like I was just nervous about yielding and surrendering to that and not really following my dream. So when I saw the JMU position open up and I was like, the multicultural center, like perfect, perfect, perfect. Um, and so I applied there. It's only like two hours away from DC. You know, they, they at least Harrisonburg has a target. I say that every time. Um, and I knew that was like something for my personal uh, mental hygiene that I need to target. Um, and so I, I applied here and then, and then came here. So, yeah. Awesome. And Derek, what about your your journey to where you are today? Yeah, so I went to Virginia Tech for my undergrad. And, you know, my initial plan was to do biochemistry, perhaps neuroscience, become a pharmacist. Um, AKA just follow the footsteps of my older cousin um, exactly as he did. <laughs> um, but ultimately got very involved with um, service learning on campus, so community service. And that's really when I kind of started kind of learning a new side of myself. And so ultimately I changed majors to sociology um, and really just ran with it <laughs> uh, with not much of a plan in mind. Um, but ultimately, I really think the people in that service learning um, organization at Tech for all six of them, <laughs> um, for just being that support for me, um, whether it's a, as a supervisor, a mentor, role model, even friend, um, I think they're just always being able to willing to listen to my life problems, help me process my own thoughts, um, kind of uplift me, encourage me to take risks and opportunities that they knew were good for me, but I refuse to believe. <laughs> um, and so I just really can't thank them enough. And so shout out to VT Engage at Tech. Um, but besides that, I eventually came to JMU, um, completed the same master program that Matthew is currently in. And so, um, yeah, grad school is a blur, so I really can't say much about it. <laughs> um, but uh, ultimately, this, that's, this is where I end up, and it's been a good time. Awesome. So so let's talk about this JMU sort of experience as you all came to your positions that you're in now. When you were looking for positions, what was like literally what did this job look like in the posting, um, especially compared to other positions? What was your initial reaction and what eventually made you decide to apply for the jobs that you have now? And whoever would like to start. I can get started. Um, so the position was really interesting. Um, at the time, I was our um, program assistant for my 
higher education program. And so I would get all of these job listings sent to me and I would post them or send them out to um, the other people in my cohort, like, hey, if you're interested in this, this or this. Um, And this one really stood out to me because it was different to have the cohort model. And that's something like Quinn said, I was also a part of a cohort. And that was something that I really, really appreciated having where those people kind of on a similar path to you during grad school. Um, And so at the time, I think there were about five positions on the posting. um, And some of them were a little similar, like um, you could apply to more than one. And I think that really just stuck out to me. And when I was looking at positions, I had seen nothing else that was a cohort or would have the same level of support in your transition as the JMU listing. So even though at the time I was only applying to um, like admissions positions, I saw this one and I was like, you know, I'm going to apply. Programming is what I've done. This is my experience. Um, and it really, I think, was the cohort aspect that made me really want to apply to something especially a position that wasn't similar to other positions that I was currently applying to. Great. Thank you. I can say for myself, I was already working at JMU, but not in student affairs, uh, already enrolled in the CSPA program. And so uh, my plan was to kind of wait until I finished that program and then look for a different job in student affairs, uh, at JMU. Uh, I've, I've been in Harrisonburg for a really long time and, and enjoy it here. So I, I was looking for other jobs at JMU. And um, I would kind of keep my eyes open for what jobs were being advertised just to kind of be aware of what positions are and what might open up uh, when I was ready to start looking for a job. And I noticed that there were just a lot of jobs posted last spring. And I thought, you know, it'd be silly for me not to um, apply for a job right now while all of these things are available. So I initially uh, saw one of the positions only, uh, didn't notice that it was a cohort model. Uh, it wasn't the one that I, it wasn't the position that I'm currently in, but I applied for it. And when I got to the end of the application, realized it was a part of a cohort model and then um, started thinking, well, hmm, you know, maybe I could apply for other other jobs as part of this. It was one application process and uh, it started off with, you know, just one interview process. And so that made it really convenient to think about applying for multiple jobs at the same time. You could apply for uh, one, two, or or all of the positions that were advertised. And so I had been doing some work with um, uh, the Dean of Students Office kind of through my other p- position, uh, reaching out to students uh, through a Madison Cares program, which is uh, a referral st- uh, service that we have for students of concern on campus. And so I thought, oh, the Dean of Students office would be interesting to apply for as well. So I ended up applying for that one. And, and this is the one that I landed in. But yeah, it was a really interesting process to be able to go through um, one process for multiple positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for, uh, for me, um, uh, when I was uh, uh graduate student and I saw this uh, position um, open up. I was also doing an internship in uh, career services office for um, New Jersey Institute of Technology. Uh, so I wanted something in um, career services, um, career advisor role. And so reading the description, it fit that very well. And I could, you know, I could see myself easily talking about uh, my um, uh, 
my experience um, in advising. And um, uh, I really like that as part of um, a cohort, um, DEI cohort. So, you know, I, I was really passionate about having a social justice lens to the kind of work that that uh, I would do in student affairs. And that's an important part of my program. And um, that's something that they valued. Um, so it sounded great. Um, but I'm from uh, New Jersey, and it's kind of a little bit out of my range, um, you know, for various reasons. I wanted to be um, closer to to my area. Um, and uh, it was definitely, you know, uh, compared to where I was, um, it's much more of a predominantly white institution. Um, so, um, you know, so I, I, I had a couple of reservations there, but just th this cohort model um, and the way the career advising role was described, I just, you know, I had to at least give it a shot and apply and see what happens. Yeah, and something I'll add, um, I think with this position, I'm trying to remember on top of my head, but I always go straight to the qualifications when it comes to any position first, just to see, should I, what, uh, should I bother to look more into this? And all I can remember was that the qualifications were very broad. Um, I think the only the specific one was like, have a master's degree, perhaps. But besides that, it was like, just, you know, someone who can um, collaborate really well, um, have great teamwork skills, communication skills, um, commitment to DEI. And so having that as like the basis for all the positions that were um, posted for the cohort, um, my initial thought was, huh, this feels like accessible to me. I think I can do this. And my only re reservations was there are a lot of postings. And so do I go about and apply for all of them? Because frankly, I really want to boost my chances. Or do I really tailor it to the ones that I feel like I could really stand out to? Um, and ultimately, I went down that route because I got a little scared. <laughs> um, but ultimately, um, the process was really simple um, and really good. So I appreciate it. Great. Yeah, I just went ahead and pulled up the, the email that I got from my advisor because I didn't see the posting actually, you know, like on higher ed jobs or like on LinkedIn or anything else like that. It was a forwarded email. Um, from our advisor of our college personnel program. Um, and I remember seeing the DEI lens. So that was on that first, like, you know, brought my eye, but also the fact that like we can apply, it's just one application for all these different postings. And so that for me made me feel a bit more secure because like, okay, if I don't get one, then maybe I'll get another. Or like, if I don't get this one, then maybe I'll get two other opportunities. And it really just showed me how transferable my skills could be in different offices um, within student affairs. Um, without feeling uh, a bit exhausted on my end of like, okay, I have to like reapply with different materials or like change, you know, the cover letter. Um, but it was also interesting that it was the same cover letter and the same resume. And so that was different for me in my job search process because I was so used to um, just typing up something new in terms of a cover letter that seemed to apply or at least like um, seemed to really stick with what people were specifically looking for. But within the cohort, it didn't seem as if they were looking for a specific person, but more so people. And so it made it made me seem as if like, OK, this is something I really could shine in because I know already coming from grad school that like I can do a cohort and I could actually be a part of a team. And so um, that's what made it more attractive and stuff to me. So you get you, you decide to apply, you see this and then you get to the 
the phone or Zoom interview and then the campus interview stage, what what did that look like when you're in the running for multiple positions? The thing I remember about the first interview uh, on Zoom was that there were just a whole lot of people there because <laughs> all of the different departments that were hiring had representatives there for this first round of interview. So um, that was a little, uh, I don't remember if I knew ahead of time or not how many people were going to be there, but it was, it was, I, I don't know, it just seemed uh, like a lot. Um and then for the on-campus interview, I, I know because this was the first time, the thing that I remember is that there were some hiccups along the way about um, the way that people were signing up for interviews and things like that. I don't know if they talked about that at all on the other podcast, but um, I remember being kind of um, shuttled around campus by a representative from Student Affairs who was being really careful not to cross my path with someone else because they had multiple interviews at the same time. And so you were trying, they were trying to, you know, preserve the anonymity of it and things. Um, and, but yeah, it was, it was really interesting. I had gotten two interviews. And so I was interviewing for two different positions that same day and getting, yeah, just getting shuttled around and trying to be really careful about how that was done. So I personally only applied to the one position, which is the position that I got because it was the one that sounded the most like something that I would really enjoy doing. Um, but the thing that really stood out to me, other than I think there were nine people from JMU in that first um, Zoom interview, which was very overwhelming, had to send a lot of thank you emails. But um, I really appreciated that we got sent the questions that we were going to be asked before the interviews. Um, I don't think that happened for every single interview Um looking at the on-campus, but that was something that it gave me a chance to collect my thoughts and think about my experiences and have time to come up with an answer that really represented my experience rather than, I think sometimes in interviews when you don't have the questions ahead of time, it some of them feel out of the blue where you're like, I don't understand how this question relates to the position description at all. Um, and you get caught on guard. So I really, really appreciated that. Um, like Matthew, I do remember kind of being shuttled around campus, trying to avoid seeing other people, um, especially around lunchtime. That was a little difficult because I think we ate all at the same time. Um, and then I did meet somebody in the hotel that I was staying in. Um, but other than that, I think it was a pretty typical interview process for me because I was only applying for the one position. Gotcha. I can add something. Uh, I really want to emphasize the interview questions beforehand because I think that told me um, the search committee was like, we want to stay on track. Like we know exactly what we want, but it was also expectation on me knowing that like, because they were giving me the information or the questions beforehand, like I need to be like, in my like have my top game um, in the interview process as well. And so I really, really appreciate that. And I think that was the one thing that I kept telling everyone um, after my interview process was, I was like, they sent me questions. That's so nice of them. <laughs> um, but overall, yeah, campus interview, I applied for three positions in the same office. And so I was pretty centralized in one location. Um, and from there, it was a pretty simple process, uh, meeting supervisors, being the staff of that office. Um, but yeah, I think 
one else, one other thing I'll say about the process was that it was a very fast turnaround, um, like maybe less than a week. Uh, I don't know how others were for, but I know for me, I was also fast in my search. So, so that was fine for me, but I think about for others who may have, or weighing different options that may have been a very difficult situation to kind of navigate. Um, for, uh, for my experience, uh, I agree with uh, what everyone has previously said about um, having the, the questions beforehand that really helped during the Zoom interview. Um, I was still, you know, nervous, but um, but I felt a little bit more confident about um, how I was going to approach the interview. Um, and uh, they gave they gave me a timeline for when they would get back to the um, uh, to the candidates for the first round. And uh, I didn't hear anything back. So I just kind of assumed that I wouldn't get the position and then um, got an invite for the. For the second round, and um, and like Derek, um, um, since it was also in the University Career Center office, so um, the director um, kind of led me around to you know to the office and to different places on campus, and um, uh, you know was interviewed by staff and and by the director, and um, we also had presentation to give, and I felt. No, I was doing all this while I was a full-time student and I felt like I didn't have the time that I would have liked for the presentation. Um, so I didn't feel, um, you know, my best for, for that or hundred percent prepared. Uh, so I, I didn't feel that confident about how things went after, um, that, that in-person, um, interview overall. Um, but, uh, but yeah, but then after that, I, got the offer um the next day so um so yeah yeah i wasn't expecting that but that's how it went great i, I was just gonna add i was appreciative of the transparency of salaries um that we also received uh for our first interview um that was something that was the first time um that i was told something like that before i even interviewed and so I felt that that was a bit, um, I want to use the word gracious, but also just showed how, um, at least like in terms of student affairs and like the committee, it just felt as if like they actually cared and wanted to make sure that you know, like this is what you're going to do. And um, in terms of my interview process, I didn't feel like hoodwinked about anything. Like, and I was, of course, you know, like nervous. Um, I don't really remember like the day of, I just remember feeling nervous the whole day. Um, in person, but for Zoom, I was actually late because of the time zone difference. But you know, Danae actually called me and told me like, "Hey, like, are you are you comfortable doing like doing this now?" So I had to get ready in like ten minutes, and like my hair wasn't done. And I remember the first thing I said, I said, "Hey, y'all, sorry, my hair is not done. I didn't do my edges, but I'm here." You know, so everyone was just like laughing. Um, but even then, like I felt, I still felt really comfortable uh, just because it felt like they were being um, inviting. Uh, in terms of being interviewed, it felt very like, you know, looking down and felt like, oh, like we're looking at you and you're looking at me. Um, and I felt viewed as a professional, um, even though like I'm clearly looking for a job, but I felt as if we were on the same type of um, level. And the in-person interview, I enjoyed it. I was nervous in terms of the presentation. I chose like that early 8 a.m. slide. And so I remember like saying good morning to everybody and everybody's like, mm -hmm. and I'm like, 
okay, everybody, you know, excited. And so I think I started playing like a little music just to like kind of change uh, the atmosphere. Um, and I didn't know that even afterwards, like, you know, sometimes, at least for me, I measure success of a presentation based off questions. And nobody had questions about my presentation. They were more so asking me questions about me. Like, who would you want to see as a speaker on campus? And like, you know, what was your grad school experience like? And I was like, dang, did I not do good, you know, in my presentation? Um, I don't really remember eating the lunch because it was a lunch with students. And so I remember primarily like talking um, and not really um, eating. But I did really enjoy uh, the student affairs tour. And that's when I was really able to ask like those personal questions like, what are the opportunities for professional development here? Like, have you guys heard of ACPA? Do you guys go to NCOR? Like, you know, all those different questions. Um, so I could see like on this campus, ideally holistically, like what does Jamie prioritize for student affairs? Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I love that you all brought up the getting the questions in advance because there's also an accessibility issue with that that makes a big difference. So, um, and I, I really don't understand the mindset of we're not going to tell you what we're going to ask you. Why? That's not how work works. You know, that's not how it shows up. So I love that that was part of the experience. So and a couple of you have, have mentioned this a little bit already, but so you're going through this process. I assume that at least some of you are having conversations with colleagues or mentors or friends and family what what were their reactions when you were describing the process you were going through or the interview experience that you had? Um, did you get reactions from people? Uh, when I um, uh, when I first um, showed people the the job description and you know the cohort hiring situation, um, folks in student affairs and um, including my professors, um, it was more a, hmm, um, because uh, they were not familiar with that. And I looked up, um, you know, cohort hiring for student affairs, and I couldn't find anything, only, um, you know, examples for faculty. Um, so I only had that to go on. So they, they were intrigued, you know, they thought that was interesting. Um, and um, were intrigued when they heard that I um, got the questions ahead of time for the first round interview. They um, didn't really have much experience with that. Um, but, um, you know, they gave me some general um, interview advice. Um, and, um, you know, like, um, helped me when I was thinking through, um, you know, how I did, um, especially in the second round, you know, how that went and, you know, um, kind of consoling me and saying it really wasn't as bad as you think it's you know it's this is more in your um uh, you know kind of explaining um that uh, you probably left a better impression than you thought and it's you know they want to see that you fit in um with them and um you know they, they can see themselves uh, working with you um you know on a daily basis um so so that kind of helped me um, get through the process, but yeah, but they, but it was new to them. So they were, they were intrigued, but they didn't really have a lot of, um, thoughts, I guess. Um, so I guess when I talked about it, um, 
I really talked about it again, my friend, Allie, she's my sounding board for most things. Um, and she had just moved to Arizona for a job at a university there from Michigan, where we're from. And so I think what we really talked about a lot was the social aspect of it, because being in your, you know, 20s, 30s, it can be really difficult to make friends after college, um, especially moving to a new area, a new state where you're not around family. We really just talked about how it could be really beneficial to have a cohort of people where even if you're not best friends with every single one of them, you still have those people who are going through a similar process with you at the same time. Um, and you get that social um, aspect that you don't always get in onboarding processes, especially if you're the only person that's being hired at a time in a department or in a division. Great. Um, I, the only person I remember telling, um, was a person I was dating at the time and she had heard of JMU uh, before cause she's a lawyer and she was like, JMU, like what? Like, have you heard of JMU? And I was like, no, like, what's JMU? I'm like, what is going on? And so I ended up looking at the YouTube videos cause I love university admission videos. And I was like, wow, like this campus is beautiful. And this is like before, you know, the on-campus, um, the on-campus presentation we had to do. And my uh, advisor, it seemed as if like doing campus presentations was like a similar experience with everybody in my grad school program. Um, so that felt good um, to already know like ahead of time, like, hey, like make sure you have some note cards, like make sure you go ahead and bring up like recent trends and all that stuff just seemed very similar to what we had going on in class. Um, because I was interviewing for like other universities at the same time, like in varying areas, like all the way to Texas, to Virginia, and then Indianapolis, my mother was relieved that I was looking at Virginia um, because she never wanted me to go to Texas. <laughs> and she did not want me to go to Indianapolis. And she said, oh, I like I like Harrisburg. I like Harrisburg. And she, this is before she even visited. And so that kind of made things a bit sweet too uh, when I came here knowing that like my family and like, you know, my friends and, you know, just everybody just seemed so excited for it. And then I think that helped me when I had my, on, my on-campus interview that I, I got excited too. So yeah. Right. So what about, all right, so now you've been on campus, you wowed them, they want you, you talk through it all, you're hired. What does the onboarding process look like for you as a group? How did, how did that work? Did, um, did those connections, you know, they're trying to make you avoid each other during the interview process. Hopefully that wasn't part of the onboarding as well, but what, what did that part of the experience look like? I would say initially um, the onboarding process wasn't that much different than other jobs that I started in the past. Um, you know, the the cohort onboarding is an important aspect of this process, but when it comes down to it, we're all in different areas and you got to know the specifics of your job. So the initial onboarding, I think, was was more in our departments. And then it was throughout the summer where we did some more stuff together. We had weekly meetings um, from... I guess, end of May through end of August, where we had um, different things that were planned together. So uh, yeah, so th that was the the sort of part that we did together. Mm -hmm. uh, and we had, oh gosh, uh, we did a lot of really interesting things. I think uh, some of the interesting things were, you know, getting to go into buildings that, you know, I've worked here for three years and haven't seen a lot of 
a lot of parts of campus. And so getting into the residence halls and learning about that, you know, about the different residence halls so that when students are in our office, you know, we have some basic knowledge about the different areas. We did a, um, a cooking thing um, in in the heart school um, for hospitality. So we were in this like big industrial kitchen where we all made a dessert where we talked about um, so the importance of place and food and the, the role that food has in our culture and the way that, um, yeah, that the meaning that that has for us and things like that. There was some other ones, but I'll let other people talk about the onboarding process as well. Anything to add? Uh, I'll say that I, yeah, because you know, I don't have much onboarding process to compare to besides the typical, like, you know, here's our office is what we do. And so I think the kind of the addition to that was not only were we learning about JMU and all the many things that we're doing on campus, but we also got to learn a, bit, a little bit about Harrisonburg as well. And so we took trips downtown as well. And so it was a nice mix of like, here's where you're working, but also here's where you're living. Um, and so um, I had been in grad school for two years um, in Harrisonburg. And so even then, like, it was still new to me. Um, so it was nice to get like a little bit more acquainted, especially after being virtual for a year. Great. Yeah, and something that was pretty unique that JMU was offering, but I know um, Quinn and Haku took advantage of as well, is um, we were offered, if we were coming from far away, a place to stay on campus for the summer. Um, so we got two months in one of the on-campus apartment residence halls. And for me, coming from Michigan, going to Harrisonburg, where there isn't a lot of housing that is not for students, it made it so much less stressful to know, okay, like I can get there. I can have a place to live without being stressed that I'm going to accidentally sign a, sign a lease for a place that's like horrible because I didn't get a chance to tour. Um, so that was something that really took a lot of stress off of me and was also living in a residence hall where students are living. It is a really good way to like get a feel for what students are experiencing on campus and where you live is really important to you. So I think that was just a really good experience for me to have. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with, with Mary. It was, um, it was good to have, um, to have that, that time to, to figure out what I was going to do in terms of housing, because um, there isn't a lot of, of uh, housing for, uh, for folks who are not students, um, like you said, um, and uh, the the cohort meetings, uh, we met two hours a week, and and I definitely appreciated um, getting out into the Harrisonburg community. I knew nothing about Harrisonburg um, before I heard about this position, so uh, that was really helpful to me. And I'm interested. I'm also interested in. Um, uh, university and community relations, um, campus community relations. And so it was nice to meet with the mayor of Harrisonburg and hear um, from her perspective, you know, ways that um, we can have better relationship with, with the, the city of Harrisonburg. Um, that was one of the, one of the highlights um, for that process, uh, which took place in the summer um, when we were onboarding as a cohort. Great. 
so you've been in your roles. We're recording in December. So you are finishing up your first full fall semester. Looking back um, and in the moment, like what are your thoughts about the process now? Are, what are positive things that maybe you've mentioned that you want to add to? Um, things we haven't talked about. Are there challenges that have come out of this type of a hiring and new start to your job experience? I think the biggest thing for me is having connections with people that don't work in student life like I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so like even what a week or so ago, like messaging Quinn and being like, hey, did you get this email from my student? They'd love to partner on this um, and things like that. I'm always referring my students like go to the career center. You're graduating. Like, please go there. They're a really good free resource. Um, so it's just really nice to have connections in areas that maybe I wouldn't normally interact with, even though we're all in student affairs. Um, we're, a lot of us are in completely separate buildings. Um, and it's just nice to know people and have connections where if I have a question, instead of having to find somebody to ask in that department, I know, like I can reach out to Derek and see, um, if I have any questions about the career center or things like that. Yeah, I'll second that. Um, in, it's been very useful for certain aspects of my job to have these connections already. I know pretty early on, I approached Quinn and asked her to record a video for me for a project I was working on and she agreed. And I wouldn't have known her outside of this process. I might've you know, known her name, knew that she, she was new at JMU, but uh, we had a relationship established already. And then uh, another, well, um, Katie, who's not here was able to, I reached out to the cohort, we had a group me And I had a student organization that I was no longer able to be an advisor for. And I thought, well, maybe somebody in the new cohort would really um, appreciate having an advisorship uh, with a student organization. So I reached out and Katie responded and it works great. She's right across the hall from me. So it worked out really well to make that transition. Um, And so, yeah, the relationship we had that we had established through, uh, through the cohort hire, I think have helped a lot of us be able to do our jobs better. Yeah, I think having one connection, even with one person in an office, kind of naturally expands, but like you get to know the rest of the office too. So I think that's been really cool. Um, and so by knowing and having these connections, being able to refer to students, you know, whether getting more involved with student life, um, um, multicultural center, or knowing that the Dean of Students is a resource for them as well, I think those are all been really great highlights. And I think the only thing that I'm just wondering right now is, you know, moving forward, what can like more collaboration look like um, where we're all more unified just because naturally, you know, as times get busy, as we know, um, it's it's very simple to kind of get caught in our work and just kind of go by day to day, being reactive to things that are happening um, versus kind of think more proactively in the future what um, other skins or what other collaboration um, can look like for all of us. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask you to provide some advice or points to consider both for at the institutional level. So if a school is thinking, you know what, this could work for us, what advice do you have for them? But then also from the candidate perspective. So I know that JMU has continued this. I 
if I understand correctly, I think they're in the middle of the third cohort hire right now. Um, and so from a candidate perspective, do you have advice for someone who might see either a posting at James Madison or another institution if they try to um, implement this model? So institutional suggestions or insights and then individual candidate insights. Um, sure. Um, <clears throat> I think um, um, from the perspective of a candidate, um, just know that, you know, not everything has been ironed out. This is a new process. Um, and uh, and also um, don't be put off by the fact that there may be a lot of um, openings. Um, that's not necessarily, a, you know, something negative. Um, and from the, the institution, um, like for uh, the institutional process, um, like Derek was saying, um, you know, it'd be great for us to do something more um, collaborative as a, as a cohort. And um, I thought that that was, um, you know, that was the ultimate goal was to, to do, you know, to be assigned um, a task, a project, or come up with a project and, um, you know, be accountable for uh, for uh, putting that together um, and working on that as a cohort. Um, so, you know, perhaps in the future we could, um, you know, do something, um, you know, or have, you know, be assigned um, something uh, that could give us like a more concrete um, uh, impact, um, uh, you know, within uh, DEI at at James Madison University. Um, so, you know, that might be something good going forward. Um, uh, so yeah, that's generally what I'd recommend. Great. I think depending on like the level, um, so like obviously we all came in, we're coordinators. It might be a little different for like our very recent associate director cohort and things like that, but, um, when you have people coming from outside of your institution, I would say be very intentional about what those first few meetings are. Um, because I think there was a little bit of miscommunication where it's like my department thought that I was learning one thing um, from the cohort experience. And so maybe I didn't get a campus tour, um, whereas my cohort figured that my department was doing that. So like I did spend a lot of time a little bit confused running around campus. So um, be intentional about those new hires from that maybe have only visited your campus um, for their interview that they still need to know like the basics and you can't rely on someone else. Like I would rather have done two campus tours than none. <laughs> so yeah, be intentional about those first few things that you're um presenting to people in the cohort. Great point. All right. Well, so now the most important question, what else should I have asked you that I forgot to ask? Or any closing thoughts or comments or, again, things we didn't talk about that you want to mention? See, I always take silence as, no, Michelle, you were incredibly well prepared for this conversation. So um, 
Well, I, again, I want to thank all of you. I really appreciate the time. And again, at the end of the semester, um, it's not a slow time, if that is even a thing anymore. But I know this is not a slow time. So I appreciate you carving out a little bit of an opportunity for us to chat. One last question I have for you as we wrap up um, is what is something, and this can be job related, it can be personal, whatever comes to mind, but what is something that right now is giving you hope? And Matthew, if you would start this time, that would be great. Something that's giving you hope. Should have looked at the questions ahead of time so I could be thinking about this <laughs> one a little bit. Um, I think uh, for me, I just, this is such an interesting time of year, right? Well, we're recording this, you know, just before, um, between Thanksgiving and, and winter holiday. And so I think for me, being a graduate student, one of the things that gives me hope is that the end of the semester is in sight. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but more generally, I think, um, you know, one aspect of my job has been meeting individually with students who are struggling um, in different ways, whether those are academic, mental health, emotional, you know, social, whatever. And I think um, those students have actually been giving me hope uh, when they actually, uh, when when they come into my office, because it's, uh, they're not required to, but it's, it's something that we try to do when we're concerned about someone. Um, but I'm just hopeful that the students that have come into my office have come up with really good plans moving forward and, and ways. And so I'm hopeful about the progress of, of our students. That's great. Mary, what about you? I would just say Gen Z in general, um, even though I'm technically a part of that generation, my students are so creative in the ways that they approach things. And it's just even so different from the ways that we did things back when I was an undergrad. And it just makes me really hopeful um, that this new generation is really going to change things for the better. And it just gives me a ton of hope. Great. Derek, what's giving you hope right now? Um, I think just in my personal life in general, just growing older, you know, family dynamics are changing, new people are entering the family. And so as we're having, you know, more holiday, um, more gatherings around these holiday seasons, I think it's just giving me more hope where it feels like these new family dynamics are feeling more solidified and exciting. Um, and so to be seeing my family um, growing in this way. Um, so I'm feeling very grateful and hopeful for all that. Wonderful. Quinn, what's something that's giving you hope right now? In this present moment, what gives me hope? Um, this is a loaded question because I was thinking about that over the weekend. Um, I've been pretty good. Well, I've been disciplined with my joy. And so I find joy really like within my family. And I like that Derek brought up like new additions. Um, but I'm just really grateful that my grandma is still here. Um, and that's somebody that I really think about often um, because she has really been a pillar in my life since I was young. Um, and knowing that, you know, as a first gen college student, that like I'm living these dreams that like she prayed for um, is something that I feel uh, not just committed to continuing the dream and continuing the work, 
but more so like to have that joy and to have that hope that like I can do it. Like I'm literally the result of somebody's prayers um, and people are continuously like praying for me and uplifting my name um, in rooms that I'm not in. Um, so that gives me hope. Um, and, you know, Beyonce, Beyonce is just a pillar <laughs> of excellence that I think we really should acknowledge sometimes. And she always reminds me that you could just do anything. Um, so, yes. <laughs> Wonderful. And Hadgu, what about you? What's bringing you hope? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so I also agree um, that, um, you know, just um, looking at the uh, the students that I'm meeting with and just um, Gen Z students in general, uh, when I think about career advising and, um, you know, um, and labor work, uh, I feel like um, they're really um, not settling for, um, you know, what, um, and I'm, I'm part of uh, Gen X, so, um, you know, it's kind of settling for what previous generations have. Uh, they're demanding more, you know, internships should be paid. Um, accessibility is more important. Um, uh, equity in, in the workplace, um, you know, like transparency with salaries um, and, and things like that. Um, so, um, you know, and even, even uh, some of the, the, the labor organizing that's going on, a lot of that is with younger students, with, with younger people, with, uh, Gen Z, so I'm really impressed with that. And that's giving me a lot of hope. Excellent. I, I appreciate you all sharing your thoughts. And um, when we share hope, sometimes we give hope. So ideally that's happening today. Thank you all one more time for your time. Today's Essay Today podcast is brought to you by SAXA and we thank them for their support. I'd like to leave you with this quote today, collaboration, creativity, and respect build lifelong connections that matter and make a difference, propelling us to work together across all boundaries. And that's from Diane Luna. My name is Michelle Botcher. It has been a pleasure to host this episode. Have a beautiful day.